This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver Protection of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about the movie The Menu. Yes, we do. Woo! Because as we record... And our ultimate hope is this will come out on the same day. It is Friday the 13th, <laughs> October. Friday the 13th. Uh-huh. So a very spooky day, hypothetically, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Every day could be a spooky day. But yes. That's our motto here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is a pretty recent movie, so spoilers. Yep, 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 yep. If you haven't watched it and you would like to be surprised by it, then just turn off this episode now. Go go away. <laughs> but come back later. Come, come back later. We'll, we'll yeah. be waiting for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> also, content warning, it is kind of, it delves into a lot of stuff that is kind of dark, uh, yeah. kind of heavy. This is, so. a, this is a very, uh, very dark comedy film. Um, uh, uh, content warning for suicidal ideation and stuff like that. Also, hey, I hope you're doing okay. Take care of yourself, all right? If you're not, if you're not into hearing about stuff like that, then again, go away and come back later. <laughs> come back later. Yeah. We love you. We love you. Yeah. 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 Um, so I remember when this movie came out, I frequently watch um, – clips from Seth Meyers' late night show. Okay, sure, yeah. And they were kind of talking about it because the we'll talk about it later. But anyway, uh, one of the people who's involved in that show was involved in this and I when I heard about it I was like, "Oh my god, I have to see this" because it <laughs> sounded like I mean right up our alley because uh-huh. it was about like food culture, foodism, problems in the food world. But also kind of like a satire and funny and like horror comedy thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I have to go. And that is and, all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And hilariously enough, when I went, there's a very fancy theater in Atlanta. And me and my friend went to see it there. And it's a place where you can like get a three-course meal like you're watching a movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And I felt like I was like, wow, I'm oh, watching no. this movie. Well, this the meta. <laughs> the meta. Yes. Yeah. But we had a great time. We loved it. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I went and saw it um, at, at a little local theater with a pretty full house, actually. Um, and I saw it with a row of people who work in the restaurant industry. <laughs> And and we were laughing so hard. Like, there were so many moments in this film where we had to stifle ourselves because, like, we were still laughing about a terrible, terrible, wonderful joke that had happened. And, like, the rest of the theater was not not laughing. (laughs) And also there was more dialogue happening. And we were like, okay, like, hold it together, kids. Like, that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was glorious though. I mean, like what a, what a treat, what a treat to watch something that you, you feel like the creators get it 
and mm-hmm. and are and are talking about some things that really deserve to be talked about in an entertaining way. Yes, yes, because I I'm your, I remember watching it and like we're gonna talk about it more, but the way it's set up is you're kind of moving through this menu and when the descriptions came up, I was just like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, uh huh. And like the oh. deeper that you get into the making of it, the more you're like, oh no no no, all of this was exactly on purpose. They knew yes. precisely what they were doing. <laughs> they really did. Uh, well, okay. So I guess that brings us to our question. Sure. Yes. The menu. What is it? Well, uh, The Menu is a very dark comedy film to the point that I would categorize it as horror um, about issues in the restaurant industry in particular, but also like greater issues in our 21st century food industry and food culture and food media, perhaps in particular. Um, It came out in 2022. And the the story follows a young woman who goes on a date to this extremely expensive, exclusive restaurant run by a fictional celebrity chef on his own private island, um, where he controls everything about the food production and the staff and the kitchen and the menu. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all very high concept. Like the dining room is adjacent to the open kitchen. Everything about the meal is a performance. And every course is telling part of a story that the chef comes out and like monologues at you about or or at the 12 plus diners who are, you know, lucky enough to have scored a seat that evening. The kitchen staff is like militaristically trained and precise, you know, very hierarchical, very like Escoffier, um, very devoted to their chef. Um, And all of this is like... It's 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 like bordering like like normal bordering on like comedic levels of restaurant to begin with, but then as the meal continues, it gets weirder. And the woman uh, and the viewer realize that the chef actually deeply hates everyone there, including and most acutely himself. Um, and that he has planned this night, this menu to kill himself and everyone else there. Uh with full knowledge and help from his staff in the most performative way possible. Yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, one of the lines early in the movie from um, uh, this, this character played by Nicholas Holt, uh, who's this, this like really obnoxious foodie kind of guy. He, he says very dramatically and, you know, not inaccurately, um, chefs play with the raw materials of life and death itself. Right. Because the main character, she's trying to understand, like, what is it? What is it about this that you like? Um, Why are you so into it? (laughs) Yeah, this lady is on this date and and played by Anya Taylor-Joy. She's on this date with with this foodie character and like and he's so into it. And she's just like, okay, I mean, what? Like, why? Like, (laughs) and she does like to her credit kind of try to understand it. It's like, oh. Okay, okay. She's like, yeah, sure. Uh, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So um, the uh, the film was written by uh, Will Tracy and Seth Reese, uh, or Rice, perhaps. I haven't heard it out loud. Who are both comedy writers with priors writing for The Onion and on Succession and on Seth Meyers' Late Show. The director, Mark Myloid, has done mostly television, um, is best known for his work on Succession as well. He's also done a stint on like Game of Thrones, stuff like that. Um, and they put together a team that was just really passionate about and appropriate for satirizing and, and, and commenting on the very real and present problems in the restaurant industry in very hilarious, very upsetting ways. Indeed. Um, and it's interesting to read interviews with them because from what I understand, the two writers specifically came from different, like, I'm really not into this uh, (laughs) (laughs) type of tasting menu experience (laughs) and one who's like, I'm into it, but it does make me uncomfortable. (laughs) So, so yeah, they, they, they had experience with it. They had specific restaurants they called out about it. They did. Yep. Mm -hmm. They sure did. And, And not even in a bad way. I called out as like too negative. I would just say that. 
inspired. There are there are visual references to some very particular, mostly now defunct uh, restaurants that that mm-hmm. are like like three star Michelin restaurants around the world. Right. Yes. So they definitely had done their research in one way or another. Um, so one thing that they did for the background actors, they only cast people who had worked in the restaurant industry. They um, they had something of a boot camp. And it was really important to the director that people in the industry could watch it, not think, oh, that's not how it goes. That it would just yeah. be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that's correct. Sure, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They also had a, a – because they filmed in the Savannah area, uh, uh, and local Savannah chef John Ben Hayes also helped train those actors and how to, like, move through the kitchen and through service. Like, how exactly to hold the tweezers, how exactly to, you know, like, keep your arms tucked as you're doing this, like, kind of big work in order to let everyone else work around you. Right. I believe that's the island we tried to get to go to. There's uh, oysters around it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They filmed on um, uh, Jekyll and or Tybee Island, uh, mm. and which are both, um, if if you're ever in Georgia, if you're ever around the Savannah area, definitely take a day trip or, or hang out there. Those are lovely, lovely places. Mm-hmm. A lot of good tours. A lot mm-hmm. of informational food tours, I would say. It's some good ghost tours, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, Dominique Crenn, who is the chef at San Francisco's three Michelin-starred Atelier Crenn, was recruited to help design the dishes of the film. Yeah, and they said that they specifically wanted to hire a, a lady chef to to come help them with this because a lot of what they're talking about in the film is this, like, toxic masculinity um, that, that that happens in kitchens and the issues surrounding that. Um, I will say that Kren's meals are only $410 a head, um, which is way more reasonable than the fictional restaurant Hawthorne, um, than their uh, $1,250 a head. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how she seemed really cool with it, too. She was like, oh, I know what this is about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They apparently, like, they were like, oh, we're never going to get her. She would never agree to do something this goofy. And then she was like, oh, I'm in. Like, yeah, yes. it seemed like some real gremlin stuff. Uh, her her pastry chef, uh, Juan uh, Contreras, also assisted. Yes. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Kendall Gensler, Gensler, a New Orleans-based food stylist, was responsible for physically creating the dishes on set. Yeah, because that's a little bit of a different thing of, you know, cooking to cook and cooking for camera if something has to set up for 12 hours. Right. And I did read many quotes about (laughs) the difficulty of filming foam that I really enjoyed. Um, But apparently that was very hard for them to do. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because foam, right, like it'll, you know... It dissipates, or it doesn't mm-hmm. dissipate. Um, it, it it'll uh, collapse after about a minute, and even right. the stuff that they were doing that was like, okay, no, we can really get it to set up. It holds for three minutes, and that's not <laughs> that's not how filming works, you know. Um, right. Uh, and so, right, you know, like like it, it, if there's a scallop dish, you might have a real scallop for the actor to eat in one particular take, but if it has to sit there for more than like. Yeah, like a few minutes, you're you might use a potato instead. Mm-hmm. So anyway, right. but 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 they did really make versions of these fancy dishes for the actors to really eat or you know, not eat, as the case may be. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. Kren said that she wanted them to really be experiencing something. Um. And the kitchen actors were really cooking food that would have gone with each course in the background of various scenes. Wow. I know. Huh. Um, every it's it, it's a multi-course meal, and each course uh, they have these like kind of title cards uh, in mm-hmm. the middle of the film that that uh, show the dish. These like kind of like sweeping shots of each dish, and uh, very much in the style of Chef's Table. It turns out the second unit director was David Gelb, who has done documentaries like Jiro Dreams of Sushi and Chef's Table. Um, mm-hmm. The film calls out that foodie character is like, oh, yeah, I've watched every episode of Chef's Table like two or three times. It's adorable. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they uh, they filmed uh, uh, on location uh, here in Georgia at Jekyll and or Tybee Island. Um, and then also the interiors of the restaurants were of the restaurant was on a soundstage. Um, and their production designer, Ethan Tobman, created the restaurant for those stages. Kren 
later hired him to redesign her restaurant. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. So good. <laughs> so oh. good. Well, what about the nutrition? Who boy. Oh, dear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say definitely consume this media. but the question of to eat or not to eat is uh, something that is a little bit integral to the film and we will get into that in another minute we will uh we do have one number for you uh yeah like one and a half numbers so uh so the menu debuted at number two at the box office the weekend that it opened uh behind only wakanda forever which i think is just fair you know and it's grossed about 80 million dollars versus its budget of about 30 million so not too shabby i think it was searchlight's Biggest opening weekend for a film, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, it was so fun when it came out because anytime a horror movie comes out, I'm like, oh, I gotta go. Yeah. Um, but this movie, when it came out, it was very vague. Like I, I, I had a kind of concept of what it would be, but I thought there was going to be more cannibalism. Sure, I always assume that a food horror film right. is going to be cannibalism. And it was less that. Um, way less that, yeah. Way less. <laughs> but a lot of other horrifying things, which we're going to get into. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to get more into um, uh, the, 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 the dishes and the concepts explored in this film. But first, we are going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so um, uh, in in this fictional restaurant, um, Hawthorne, the uh, the chef is this fictional celebrity chef by the name of Julian Slowick played uh, brilliantly, I would say, by uh, Ray Fiennes. And he meticulously sets up this entire dinner as commentary. Um, Like every course and every staff member and every guest has a role to play, whether they realize it or not. Yes, exactly. Um, And I would say one of the biggest commentaries in this movie is the working class of, like, who works at this restaurant and then who can afford to eat there. Yeah. And um, kind of the the very stark difference 
in that and 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 in why they're eating there. Okay, here's a quote from Screen Rant. The 12 guests consist of wealthy businessmen, celebrities, food critics, and others who can afford such an expensive restaurant experience, standing in stark contrast with the kitchen staff who lives and works on the island with the chef to earn their living and provide the service the wealthy minority has paid for. Yeah. Like as the as the guests are walking in are walking to the dining room, um, they they take a boat to the island walk kind of around the island, they're shown some of the uh, farm and the smokehouse and, and all of that kind of stuff. And and they're shown the literal military bunk where the entire kitchen staff stays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels very like, you know, in the way a restaurant will be kind of, oh, this is where we grow our organic, whatever, whatever. It feels very like, see how much they're working uh, as yeah. sort of a part of like, oh, you can appreciate this more, even though pretty much everyone there uh, are jerks to the staff. Um. Oh, yeah. No, all of the guests uh, are very <laughs> entitled. Uh, so, right. Okay. So, so everyone who scores a seat at this final dinner is representative of issues in the industry in some way. Um, there's the restaurant critic whose reviews make or break not only restaurants, but lives, you know? Um, who doesn't even seem to see food as a pleasure anymore, but rather something to dissect. Um, there's the wealthy couple who go because they can, not because they're enjoying it or, or even really paying attention to it. Um, there's uh, the finance bros from the investment firm that keeps the place afloat who feel so entitled to royal treatment, but don't really appreciate anything that they do get, you know? Um, mm-hmm. there's the Hollywood celebrity, like scrambling for status. There's the foodie who has absolutely no industry experience, but thinks he's an expert. Like everyone there is an entitled prick in their own special way. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, <laughs> the food critics like, oh, this emulsion, <laughs> it's not working. And then she gets a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she comments snidely to her dining partner about the fact that one of the sauces was broken. Mm-hmm. And then the staff brings her increasingly large bowls of broken sauce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it gets more and more uncomfortable. And it's my favorite thing. Oh, gosh, it does. <laughs> Here's a quote from Looper. The menu attacks privilege head-on, exposing to the audience what it means for love and passion to be taken out of someone's craft. Every character who attends Chef Julian's special evening finds themselves there because of their greed, exorbitant riches, or rampant privilege. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. There are only two guests who don't fit this mold, and those are Chef Julian's mother, um, who is an alcoholic who, through her own failures as a parent, set Chef Julian on his path to this terrible dark place. Um, And then our main character, um, who gives the name Margot, that's not her real name, um, uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy again. Um, Yeah. It turns out that she was not the original partner that her date, um, the foodie played by Nick Holt, uh, was going to bring. It turns out that she is a sex worker who he hired. And he treats her with just such complete, like, disdain isn't even the right word. Like, he just talks down to her constantly and aggressively. Oh, yeah. Like, she can't possibly know anything. Again, this is the guy who doesn't know anything. He's just watched a lot of chefs. Yeah, he's just, right. He's just a fanboy. And, Mm -hmm. and he, but he thinks that because he's watched all of this and because he knows what a Paco Jet is, that he knows what it's like to be industry. Right. And he's def- he definitely sees her as completely disposable because he knew uh, what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that he also, right, knew that Chef was going to murder everyone at this dinner and hired her anyway. And didn't tell her. I and mean, didn't tell her. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Anyway, yeah. Spoiler, the, yeah. Many, we'll many, many, many spoilers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I did want to mention here, and we're about to go into these uh, food descriptions in a second. But as a part of this, I feel like one of the early signs of, oh, I see what's going on here, is when everyone is served a breadless bread plate. (laughs) Um, And it's basically exactly what it sounds like. It's all these sauces. There's a description 
of the bread and that all is how not they served. Make it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And like the history of it, of being kind of this working class thing and all of this stuff. But none of them get it. Uh, basically, very clearly implying none of the guests deserve the bread. Um, it is very much like the privilege being denied something in their life. Uh, the finance bros definitely were like, oh, this is funny, but can we get some bread? But what about my bread? Right. And they're like, no, no bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The amazing Mater D character is just like, nope. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> But that does bring us to the descriptions, which kind of move us through the movie. They kind of are telling you, like, okay, this is what we're going to tackle right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hoofda, yes. Um, okay, uh-huh. right. So, so this is a multi-course meal. Um, uh, I can't count. What, like 10 courses? Sure. And, um, and right, almost all of them are presented in this very chef's table way with those sweeping close-up shots of the plating and, and the descriptions on the screen in gentle fonts um, accompanied by a monologue from... Chef Slowick. Um, and the cooking technology and techniques involved are very posh, very molecular gastronomy. Yeah. So, all right. So going through the courses, um, there's like a pre amuse bouche of sorts that's served on the boat over, um, a single raw oyster with a, uh, I always say this wrong, mininette? Min, 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 I've always said mignette. Min, oh, no. Min, mignette? You know more French than I do, sure. An emulsion of that. It's the vinegar sauce that you heckin' put on an oyster. Yeah. Um, uh, and then lemon caviar, you know, little little agar or whatever bubbles of, of, of lemon. And an oyster leaf, because puns. Mm. Um, always. <laughs> always because puns, yes. Um, <laughs> once they're seated, there is another amuse-bouche, uh, uh, tiny compressed balls of cucumber and melon, um, surrounded by milk snow and charred lace. I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. Me either. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, then the first course, uh, called the Island, which is a single raw scallop plated with, uh, plants and rocks from around the island and a slush of melting seawater. It looks nice, but it doesn't look like food is what I'll say about that one. I mean, I would eat a single raw oyster at a fancy restaurant, and I would be oh. real excited about it. Absolutely. But it looks kind of like a rock. But the the, the rest of the plate is rock. <laughs> yeah. Not like edible fan. No, it's rocks. Yeah. It's mostly rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> the second course is then uh, the breadless bread plate with six little dots of sauce and like a little spatula to kind of to kind of eat them with taste them with um the third course hoofda is called memory which is a build your own taco plate served with house tortillas and a smoked chicken thigh al pastor this is where things start getting aggressively stranger because the chef serves it with little scissors in each chicken thigh and describes how he had to stab his father in the thigh with a pair of sewing shears to mm-hmm. stop him from hurting his mother one day. It's it's a very intense film. Mm-hmm. And the tortillas are printed with embarrassing images for each individual patron. Yeah. Yeah. They really did mm-hmm. use a laser printer to really print images on edible tortillas for the actors to eat. Wow. Yeah. I heard that they kind of had seen that before, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> is this a thing at restaurants <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Getting increasingly more disturbing, um, the fourth course is called The Mess. Um, The dish itself seems fine. It's a roasted filet of beef plated with a potato confit, uh, pressure-cooked vegetables, jus, and uh, bone marrow. Um, Involves a live suicide as it's it's plated. Um, Then a palate cleanser, uh, bergamot and red clover tea. Yep. Yeah. As we all need after that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, next up, Man's Folly, served only to the ladies, uh, which is a little bit of crab with that foam that was so difficult to keep on set, uh, which is a yogurt whey, by the way, uh, garnished with dried sea lettuce, kelp, and umeboshi. Um, there is a special side dish for one dude, the dude who kind of won the men's trying to escape round, um, a soft-boiled egg with creme fraiche and maple syrup garnished with flowers and chives. Uh, supplemental course, Tyler's bullshit, mm-hmm. um, which is 
undercooked lamb in an inedible shallot leek butter sauce with an utter lack of cohesion. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. I laughed loud when they put that up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, that with that, yeah, the utter <laughs> lack of cohesion really got me. Um, yeah, because cause Chef is like, is finally like, oh, uh, foodie character, if you think you know so much, how about you get in the kitchen and cook me something? And he's like, bring me leeks. Uh, <laughs> lamb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's very tense and very, very, very yeah. funny. Um, uh, another supplemental course. Um just a well-made cheeseburger, a double mm-hmm. stack with American cheese and pickles uh, served with crinkle-cut fries. Looks so good. So good. Looks so good. She does ask for it medium. I don't believe that was medium. That was a double stack. <laughs> also, for a while, you could buy this. There were restaurants that were serving it. I mean, um, a good double stack is okay. All right. Hold on. I well, – <sighs> Well, they did it specifically with the menu. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's yes. cute. But <laughs> interesting. Um, uh, I read somewhere that this particular double stack was in reference to um Hugh uh Hugh Axon's uh am I saying his his last name right? Um he's a he's a local Atlanta chef and yeah. um and he has a couple uh, kind of, kind of famous places around Atlanta, um, uh, and he was doing a very similar double stack at Empire State South, and mm-hmm. uh, and I read that that was the inspiration for that. I would say that the Atlanta double stack is a particular thing that is not specific to him. Um, yeah, oh, I think yeah. I think it's from Little Food Store in Cabbage oh. Town. I think yes. everyone else is copying Littles. Oh. Anyway. I love this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting away from the point. Uh back back to the film. Okay, uh, finally we have the dessert course, which is deconstructed s'mores. The ingredients listed on the screen are marshmallows, chocolate, graham crackers, the customers, the staff, and the restaurant. Listen, that scene was wild. If you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, it's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> they they blew it up. They blew it all up. Yeah. They put on like big chocolate hats and vests of like marshmallow vests. Mar- <laughs> yeah, marshmallow like capelets kind of, like little marshmallow yes. ponchos. Um and then splattered uh the sauces on the floor and um and then lit everything on fire. Uh yep. yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Um mm-hmm. this this is a copy of oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the restaurant, but there is a very fancy restaurant that kind of famously did a deconstructed s'mores on a full tabletop. Like they would, oh, yeah. they, they they would do a version of this. That's yeah. They would do a version of this. Less murder. On, <laughs> less murder. Only a tabletop, not the whole floor. Um, uh, okay. Then I guess one more supplemental uh, guests are given gift bags at the end containing some house made granola. That's actually like one of my favorite parts. I think that's hilarious. It's so funny. I love that they pay they oh, all yeah. pay for the meal at the yeah, end. They're f- they're fully aware that, that they're about to get blown up. And they pay for the meal and, and they then give they them their credit cards. Granola. Yeah, and then they <laughs> yes. get right. Mhm. I love it so much. It's beautiful. And then it cuts to Margot who gets away. Um and we'll talk about this more in a second, but uh eats the cheeseburger that she took as a doggy bag and wipes her face with the menu. With the menu. As everything is blowing is, up, mm-hmm. behind her. <laughs> pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little on the nose, but it's great. It's great. Yes. Oh, oh <laughs> gosh, yes. Um, but one thing with Margot is, like, pretty early on, you realize this isn't her scene. Yeah. Um, and one of the things she kind of immediately establishes is that she's perfectly capable of deciding what she wants to eat, how much to eat. And that's in the face of both the foodie jerk who <laughs> hired her and took her to this island, but also the chef who's kind of like, no, I promise everything on the menu has been calculated. You're not going to get too full. I've done, it doesn't make sense unless you eat everything. And she's like, no, I'm good. You're like, I'm- no, I'm good. I'm not going to eat your sauces. I'm not going to eat your sauce plate. I don't need these sauces. I'm not interested. And yeah. I and I think that he's genuinely wounded because I, I think he he's like, but eat, but this is but this bullshit is my life. Yes. If you don't subscribe to it, what am I? 
also he clocks immediately that she doesn't belong there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, aside from 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 literally her not being on the original guest list, he immediately clocks that that she is also in some kind of service industry. Yes. And um and I think he wants to impress her more than he wants to impress literally anyone else in the room from that moment on. I agree. And they have a pretty big that's sort of the culmination of how she gets out. Um but they have a they have a big conversation about being the service industry and quote shoveling the shit. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I do think like it's interesting to see her juxtaposed against Nicholas Holt's character who is like, I love every sauce. Have you tried these sauces when basically there's no food? There's no <laughs> yeah. And she's like, what? She's like, no, it's not. You haven't given me food. Right, right. Um, and there's also a, like a running through line of she smokes and he keeps telling her like, oh, that's going to ruin your palate. You're not huh. going to appreciate this um, if you keep doing that. Um and he does that a lot. So, like, when they have the first amuse-bouche on the boat, the oyster, Tyler, who's Nicholas Holt's character, um, explains to her, because she basically is like, I just like the oyster. Like, I'd be good with just the oyster. I don't need all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and he explains to her, like, you're wrong. Your palate is wrong. Huh. You don't appreciate the genius of what's happening here. Huh. Um and yeah, he, he talks like he's this authority. And then later, as we discussed, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there's there's certainly I mean, like you, you can be you can love food, right? Like without being mm -hmm. particularly adept at cooking it. Like I would put mm -hmm. myself yes. in that category. Um, uh, I can I could also like slightly embarrassingly probably be the guy who's sitting in a restaurant being like, was that bergamot in the in the <laughs> yes. in the tea? Uh -huh. I think I tasted bergamot. Was that it? Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, like like doing that without being a schmo about it, I think, is really the, really the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mar Margot says about the bread plate to Tyler, she's like, he's basically insulting you. Like, chef is basically insulting you with this dish. And he immediately goes, oh, you don't get it. Yeah. <sighs> he calls her a child at one point. And when she's like, dude, you cannot talk to me like that, he's like, actually, I can because I'm paying. Yep. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like this, for, for better or worse, like I'm still not exactly sure how I feel about it, but the parallel that the movie draws between service work in the sex industry and service work in the food industry is really direct. It is. It is. Um, and one thing that I kept thinking about was – when you're seeing all of these kind of entitled rich people in this place for one reason or another is this whole idea of the experience, which we've talked yeah. about before, where like when food becomes everything but eating the food, huh. when it becomes like you're there for your Instagram picture or status or because it's your birthday and it's not really your birthday, but your investors <laughs> huh. will pay for it. Like, Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing with, Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, I kept thinking about, like, does he really like this food or is he so dedicated to this chef, uh, to the celebrity chef that the no idea. matter what he does, right? that's genius and he's going to love it. Yeah. Like, were all of those dishes actually, like, close your eyes good? Mm -hmm. um, or was he just yeah. high on the experience? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and that uh, the whole – the chef is like looming over everything, like both him and the idea of him. Um, and like loving this celebrity chef, fearing this celebrity chef, respecting the chef uh, when it came to the staff. He was like a deity in this restaurant on this island. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of worship is uh, has clearly gone to his head. Mm -hmm. But to everyone mm -hmm. else's as well. Like it's really... It, it's it's this this really insidious concept that has taken deep root. Yeah, because it's like everyone expects something of him because he is this, but they also are the ones sort of who made him this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and same for everyone in that room. Exactly. Uh, and then that sort of divorcing of what food is, of what eating is, 
is also throughout this this movie. Um, so early on, the chef introduces himself. He gives this whole speech like, look, I am, I'm asking you one thing. Don't eat. Do not eat. Taste. Savor. Relish. But don't eat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And later when Margo's like, hey, you know what? I'm good. Don't want to fill up. He's like, no, you got to eat. I promise you. I planned this whole thing. And she's like, no, but you just told us not to eat. <laughs> He's like, you know that's not what I meant. Yes. Like, yeah, but it's what you said, dude. Yes. Um, he seems very confused by her. He's like, oh, no. I haven't faced this in a while. <laughs> no one's called me on this in ever, heck. <laughs> yes. Um, in every dish, as uh, you might you might be able to tell from Lauren's uh, going over them, tells a story. And here's a quote I found from one of the writers. Um there's something relentless about all of these tasting menus, screenwriter Will Tracy says. You can't leave. You're being held hostage by a story which they're telling you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one who had this experience of this kind of tasting menu and then was like, I feel like there's 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 a there's an idea here. There's a nugget mm. here. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, that was he said that to Bon Appetit. Hoof. It is true. I hadn't thought about it in that way before. Because I've done plenty of tasting menus. I've never done anything quite on this campus. No, no. But. But I've done plenty of tasting menus. And it is true. At a certain point, you're like. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Just eat this dish. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. You either have to buy into it completely or you're going to be. It's going to be weird. It's. It is going to be weird. Um, and, and especially, like, with those food descriptions and, like, the personal history people might pour into it. Um, yeah. 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 Which is something else, like, this movie really does tackle a bunch of things. I would say burnout, big one. Mm-hmm. Abuse. Um, I think the whole idea of when he's talking about his past, his childhood, and the abuse in it. With Taco Tuesday and how that's gotten elevated, that was the dish that put him on the map. Um, yeah, these Al Pastor printed yeah. image tortilla taco, self, self make your own taco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, we talk about that a lot too, of like when something, I don't know, uh, that isn't that expensive but gets put on expensive restaurant menus um, right. and what that says. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Like like what – yeah, how that – how you can possibly charge, you know, like 1200 bucks a head and serve tacos. Mm-hmm. Like what's right. going on? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, definitely there's suicidality. There's not being good enough to be a celebrity chef. Um, sexism being harassed, not being respected as a chef, um, which definitely shines through in the man's folly dish, which is only served to women. Right. And the the reason that that dish uh, is part of the menu, um, as he, along with his sous chef, tells the story, um, is that his sous chef, who is a woman, uh, he tried to sleep with her. And when she rejected him, um, he, like, cold-shouldered her for months in their mm-hmm. workplace. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it comes out as she's serving this dish to the ladies um, mm-hmm. that it was her idea. The entire, this, this giant mass murder-suicide was her idea. The mm-hmm. whole thing was his woman Sue's idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah. he has been taking credit for it this whole time and will continue as soon as this one little respite moment among the women is over. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. It's a very funny and dark scene where all the women are sitting around the table and they're like, so we all have to die then? And she's like, yep. Yep. My idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I think it's pretty telling – when, because there's plenty of signs something's wrong early on, but when the the chef kills himself, and then everyone keeps eating, they keep eating like they they bundle up the body and they're like, 
All right. It must be part of the show. It must be part yeah. of the thing. During, dur- during the mess, yeah, dude kills himself. And then, right, everyone's like, oh, is it theater? Okay, these tacos are great. Like, Or this, yeah, I love filet. Here we go. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of the, like, willing to look away yeah. of the, the damage yeah. that's being done. Also, we have to talk about the cheeseburger. <laughs> so basically, at this point, Margot has seen a picture of the chef, Julian, uh, when he was younger and he was first starting out and he was making hamburgers. And she's like, oh, I've got to get out of here. I'm going to die. Uh, and so she she stands up and claps her hands. Which is a recurring thing before every course. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the whole kitchen staff, as, as or, or, or uh, Chef Julian claps, and the whole kitchen staff comes to attention. And it's yes. very jarring every time. It is extremely jarring. So she does it and, is, and says, I would like to send something back, which is something... Nicholas Holt's character said, you never do that. And she's like, I would send something back. I'm hungry. Everything I've eaten was made without passion or care. Um, And the chef is obviously like, oh, no, flabbergasted. This can't be. Um, And it boils down to him saying, what would you like? Uh, We we can make you. uh, Yeah, whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. And she says, just a good cheeseburger. I don't know if you know how to make it. I just want a good cheeseburger. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 no. I know how to do it. Um, and it's really kind of funny because they talk about, like, American cheese and then why it's a good cheese for this and, like, crinkle fries. Anyway. But he makes this cheeseburger for her. And it seems to remind him of why he got into this in the first place. Yeah. Of, like, the love of cooking. Um and she takes a bite of it. It looks delicious. It's only $9 and something cents. Yeah, um, gratuity included. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and it's like, can I take this to go? And he lets her. And he, he her gives her a doggy bag and lets her and lets her go. And she flees the island. Um, yes. And everyone else is kind of like. It's kind of like, well, good on you. Yep, you go. Yep. I guess I'm just sitting here now. I guess I'm just waiting for my death, which I deserve, which I have come to realize over the course of this 10-course meal. <laughs> over the course of these 10 courses. I here we are. Realized. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. Um, and that brings us to the s'mores. Uh, huh. The final thing. Um, kind of becoming part of the menu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt it was very just desserts sort mm-hmm. of messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do love that they, they kept reiterating the menu only makes sense if you have all the dishes. Yeah. So I feel like they've all come to this point. And they're like, yeah. Oh. They're like, well, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Rafe, Rafe finds uh, uh, Chef Slowick gives one last impassioned monologue um, about how bad s'mores are but that everyone seems to love them so he's going to do it anyway um and apparently ray fines actually uh, basically wrote that monologue um he didn't the character didn't originally have a final one and rafe went to the the director and writers and was like hey uh i think he needs one right because you know like this is his moment this is his Mm -hmm. you know ego moment so they're like you're right and good job we'll just put that in there great (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, apparently I, I read so many like making of things, um, uh, over the past couple days, uh, apparently to create the s'mores on the set because they turn the entire floor of the restaurant into this giant splatter s'mores thing. Um, but you can't just splash down a bunch of sauce and then film around it <laughs> for multiple hours that you would track it everywhere. It wouldn't, it would not be good. Even if it was just like paint and not real food, nah, it would be, it would be bad. Um, so to create it, they actually did splash down stuff on, on set. Then, um, I, I, I get a little bit muddy about the details here, but, but basically they, yeah, they actually splashed stuff down on set, then, um, projected an image of that onto the floor of a different room of a parallel, uh, set. They used that as a template to build up resin models of, of the real stuff and then before they cleaned up the actual stuff, they traced around it with blacklight-activated transparent markers. So, okay. so then when it was time to film, they busted out these blacklight headlamps 
and brought in their plastic models and laid them down on these invisible lines on set just perfectly. Um, Mm -hmm. Apparently the actors were there and they were totally incredulous. That's a quote. (laughs) Wow. That's wild. I love this. I love this. So fun. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, Well, as we wrap up here, we're going to run over some quick things that this really dealt with when it comes to trauma and the restaurant industry, but they're all deserving of their own episodes that are not horror movie based. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, like that's that that that's the fun of horror movies. You know, like you get to kind of again in an hopefully entertaining way deal with some of these like really big real issues. Um, and uh, we we've touched on some of these topics a little bit in some of our interviews before. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely need need full episodes about all of this. Yes. Um. So one of the the things that was throughout this was the review system and how damaging that can be. Yeah. Um, uh, Kren, Dominique Kren, uh, told the New York Times, we work 18 hours a day, every day, under pressure to feed thousands of people a perfect meal. And one person can walk into the restaurant and put you down, or a writer can judge you for using too much salt. Which is a great quote, because we all have different preferences. Um, oh, sure. And maybe I would love that amount of salt and someone else would think it's too much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and right. And like and like what is perfection? That's in that that's that's literally wild to think that you could possibly ask for perfection out of every dish to come out of the kitchen under those kind of circumstances, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that uh, was throughout this film was mental health and suicidality in the restaurant industry. Yeah, um, uh, in in that dish, the the mess. Um, I, I, I think it's uh, uh, Chef Slowick who who's as he's describing the dish, he he says uh, something about the the that it represents the mess you make of your life, your body, your sanity that you give to making other people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, mental health in the restaurant industry is a very, very, very uh, serious topic. And um, there, there are luckily a, a lot of really great resources um, that are being developed these days. Um, there's a there's a few great programs here in Atlanta to help to help people out. But you know, like this is an industry that frequently you don't have health insurance, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so. When these pressures, these physical and mental pressures um, happen as they do, as they inevitably do, you don't have a really good place to turn. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's an issue. Yeah. And I would also say, like, I'm constantly reminded because I live kind of near a a strip of restaurants um, that a lot of people who work in the industry don't get home until 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. Um, Like their schedule is just very different. Than a lot of our schedules, so that's, yeah, that's a train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, also, you know, like a, a, a substance misuse is is really rampant because at a certain point, you know, like you're you're around booze at the least all the time, and mm-hmm. how else are you gonna numb your emotions and your physical pain and all of that? And you know, like it, it's a really um, seductive. Uh, kind of kind of agent in a lot of those spaces. And I and I know a lot of people in the industry who are sober as a result of it and good for them. And it's horrifying that they've had to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's also something else that uh, this this movie addresses is the sexual harassment mm-hmm. um, and misogyny in the restaurant industry. And I think we have seen in recent years a lot of celebrity chefs uh <laughs> get accusations um, against them and um, fall away uh, <laughs> because of that, which, yeah, good. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there mm-hmm. was a scandal that was happening, I think, while this movie was being made with, oh, gosh, what was the name of the place? Uh, the Willow um, in New York, um, where, yeah, it was coming out that all all of this bad stuff had happened. And... Mm-hmm. There's a whole expose in the, I think, in the New York Times, um, and who uh, was also interviewing the filmmakers around that time about all of these same issues. And it's like, yep, this is, yep. yep. I mean, this is like a funny example 
funny mm-hmm. and scare quotes, but um, but it's also very real. Yeah, it is. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's pretty dark, but we do recommend it if this is your thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I I really do enjoy this film. I mean, also I will say that the the acting is just aces across the board. Yes. Everyone, everyone is bringing everything. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I I feel like everyone's had some kind of experience that informed their acting, (laughs) and I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Um, And it's funny. Like, I think if you listen to the show and uh, you, in any capacity, enjoy some dark comedy or horror, you'll... it's very funny for people who enjoy food media, I think. Yes. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, there's a few descriptions of the food and or just like like the way that things are phrased. Like when the when the maitre d' is, is, is like, feel free to go watch our chefs as they innovate. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh. So good. So good. <laughs> Uh, but I think that's what we have to say for now. I, I think it is. Um, we do have some listener mail for you, though, and uh, we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at (laughs) discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Friday the 13th. Okay. Sheldon wrote about Twizzlers, the memories of these things. About 10 years before I retired, I went through a period that lasted two years of Twizzlers lunch. Every day, I would walk to the nearby dollar store and get a one-pound pack of Twizzlers, walk back to my office and sit at my desk, and eat the entire pound for lunch. (laughs) When coworkers would comment, I'd respond, it's cheap and it's (laughs) fat-free. Now, (laughs) it wasn't as bad as it may seem. I was a cycle commuter and would burn a lot of calories on my daily commute, especially when riding in the snow in the winter. I really needed a lot of calories, and the Twizzlers did the job. 
As an aside, I went through a bit of time when I would take a six-mile bike ride to an Italian deli to get one of their fantastic sandwiches for my lunch. It turned out that the ride to get the sandwich burned more calories than the sandwich gave me, so my lunch was technically a loss, albeit a good-tasting loss. (laughs) Oh, I mean, if you find a good sandwich... Oh, I mean, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and that that level you do reach a level of workout where right, you're like you're like, "Oh, heck, how am I going to eat enough? How how what mm-hmm. it, what can I do?" <laughs> a pound of Twizzlers. Uh-huh. Um we had a a coworker who was really into Twizzlers and he would just leave them around the office. Uh huh. in my early days. Of back when it was how stuff works. Oh, I don't, um, I don't, this might be before my time. I don't remember this. Oh, yeah. He would just leave them. And I was always kind of perplexed by it. I love that he wanted to share, he loved them so much. Like open bags or like little singles or, or just A little singles. Okay. They were singles. Okay. Um, Singly wrapped, not just like yeah. random no, loose not, Twizzlers. Not out in the wild Twizzlers. No, singly wrapped. <laughs> But I just remember at the time being kind of befuddled by the whole thing. Yeah. I appreciated it. Yeah. Um, but I was also like, huh, you got some connect to Twizzlers? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this a stock market thing? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the suspicion immediately, you know, huh, kicked Sure. In. Of course. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, yeah. That would, um, my stomach would not tolerate that number of Twizzlers, but more more power to you. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I also love it. It was like a two, two-year period. Yeah. That's... As someone who goes through periods of like, I eat this every day, mm-hmm. I understand. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christine wrote, I was just listening to your mulberry episode from 2021, which is perfect timing because my mulberry tree is in the middle of its usual abundant harvest. This year's fruit is small but plentiful and very sweet. I usually get around 5 kilos, about 11 pounds of fruit per year, which gets turned into pies, ice cream, jam, or alcoholic beverages. I have no idea when mulberry trees arrived in Australia, but it was probably fairly early into white settlement. The black ones are dotted all over the place, and locals know the locations of all of them. They're probably invasive here as well, though blackberries are a much worse problem. When Why people had to bring dangerous plants here when Australia has so many amazing native fruits, I don't know. But that's stupid white people for you. It is. <laughs> The mulberry episode was far more enjoyable than the corn dog episode. Uh, we have a corn dog analog in Australia, the uh, Pluto pup or Dagwood dog. This is always a Frankfurt Savloy, Savloy, sure, uh, type sausage dipped in wheat and water batter and deep fried, served on a stick. They're typically a show at fair food, and I despise them, uh, just as I despise any Frankfurt-based food product, including hot dogs. In fact, Frankfurt sausage-based food products are probably the foods I despise the most, more even than anything involving kale. I'm not sure how it goes in the U.S., but Frankfurt's and Savloy's here are red-skinned sausages. Uh, Savloy's are a different size to Frankfurt's and supposedly are made of a spiced, pressed meat blend that came from England and are apparently superior to Frankfurt's. These are a reclaimed meat product, probably the bits of unsold animal that were dumped in the Thames in medieval times. Savloys and Frankfurts are equally vile, as far as I'm concerned. I never really liked them, but my undying loathing was set in diamond by my brother, who cooked some of these detestable things once for lunch. He put them on the stove, then forgot about them. You boil them to cook them, and the pan had boiled dry. It was the smell that reminded him. If you overcook them, Frankfurts burst— The pan was full of this disgusting, bright pink sludge shot through with bits of red. My brother and father proceeded to pile this muck on bread and eat it. I could not. The mere memory makes me nauseous, though that could be the bad thunderstorm overhead. I should think about cheese instead. Good cheese is always worth thinking about. True. (laughs) True. I have to say... I am a very positive person. I think you would agree, Lauren. Yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But there is something so delightful about reading somebody's true disgust about a food item. (laughs) Like very real, real revulsion. Uh, (laughs) Like the words are fun. Like I really enjoyed it. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm sorry for your experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that you had this food ruined for you, but you didn't really like it to begin with. So I guess that's sort of fine. But um. <laughs> yeah, and you you got away with words. I, I, yeah, I was moved. Yeah, <laughs> to places I, I didn't know I was gonna go. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to retake the dumped in the Thames line because I it, it, I I'd read it. I you know I'd actually read this before we got on mic, but uh, but it was so funny that I just cracked up in the middle of the line. <laughs> I do I I love it, and you know I have my foods I don't like, and I do enjoy complaining about them. So I I understand. Um, oh, jeez, this is funny because I'm actually going back to Universal because we have more work travel coming up oh oh right yeah 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 totally and they have a corn dog yeah yes the last of us based corn dog oh my god that's that's really silly okay cool (sighs) will i eat it i don't know probably (laughs) well yeah yeah only huh you have to you have to for us annie and you have to let us know what the experience is yeah (laughs) well I will. I'm. I'm ready. I'm. I'm ready for this. Um, also, congrats on your mulberries. Yeah. 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 Uh, let us know what you wind up making from this batch. Oh yeah, please. I love all the things you listed. You have so many options, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well. In the meantime, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.